I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. This is where the fun begins. Hello everyone and welcome back to Jedi Knights, the official Star Wars podcast for Joy Clicks. I'm your host today, Christian Buckley. Joining me as always for episode 91 is my Buryaga, because we got some High Republic talk today, Mike Connors. Oh yeah. Uh, how are you, my man? I'm so excited to talk about the High Republic. Some some good rumors. I feel like we've been talking about rumors a lot recently. Uh, but we got some interesting stuff on the docket and I'm really excited to talk about it with you, man. Absolutely. I'm quite excited. You know, San Diego Comic-Con has been happening, I guess. I wasn't aware it was going on yet. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. We have some interesting takeaways from the Star Wars sect of SDCC 2021, which we will go over. And like you said, some rumors. And uh, of course, the new episode of The Bad Batch. So before we get to all that, though, how you doing, Mike? How you been? Any Star Wars stuff on the plate? Anything else you want to open the show with? You know... I said last week that I wanted to sort of get back into the Star Wars Battlefront game, and uh, or grind rather, and you know I haven't haven't really put it up yet. I haven't played it at all, so I'm hoping you know uh, in the coming in the coming days my schedule will sort of you know uh, become less hectic and I'll have some time to play some heroes versus villains or something like that because I've been craving I've been craving just spending some time playing with that game for for whatever reason. Um, so. Hopefully I can do that sometime soon. But what about you, my man? Um, as I was coming up here to start up recording today, I remembered, oh, on Xbox, OG Battlefront 2 is on sale for 5 bucks, And that's probably oh. ending soon. So I did want to pick it up just so I could do it split screen. You know, me and my brother, we could play it a little bit like we used to on the PS2. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to greater Star Wars stuff, uh, nothing major at the moment. Um as far as sci-fi goes, Star Wars tangentially, I'm almost done with Halo 2, which is fun. Oh, there you go. Are you, do you think you'll finish it soon? Somewhat, sometime soon? Oh, I think I'll finish it tonight. I got two missions left. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Very maybe, I'll, uh, maybe, maybe I'll tune in. Hell yeah. Twitch, right? Twitch.tv slash chuntv2. That is correct. Uh, but, um, yeah. honestly, out of the two Halo games so far, I'm surprised at how many times I've been like, ha, Star Wars, you know, like, just because oh. <laughs> they make some jokes. Like, in, I think in both games, I somebody said, I've got a bad feeling about this. And I was like, ha, you did it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, get away from that, especially when you're like creating sci-fi and everything. I feel like it's just, no matter if you try, even if you try not to like, have those sort of influences be out there, like you're still gonna, they're still gonna be easy to spot. Um, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Halo's a great, great story. Um, definitely, probably one of my favorite video game series of all time. I think I brought Halo Three to the Joy Clicks Hall game. Uh, was not accepted, but no hard feelings. Right. One of these well, days. Well, I know you can't bring that one again specifically, but I have played. <laughs> one and two and i'll probably have played the whole series by the time we meet again in september so just keep that on in mind i i have experience now so that's true that's true you could uh you could and i'm not saying you will but you could mm-hmm. bring it up again um so fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> well why don't we get into from the jedi archives our weekly segment where we pull from the sacred jedi texts of wikipedia to educate each other and the audience on something in star wars mike what did you pull this week 
So I pulled, um, and, and I realize now as I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, so I'm going to stall so I can press canon instead of legends. <laughs> um, I realized that I, uh, so I picked the planet of Nar Shada. Are you familiar with Nar Shada? Why um, am I? Yeah, it's a familiar name, right? Um, so it's nicknamed the Smuggler's Moon. Uh, it's the notorious moon of the planet Nal Hutta, homeworld of the Hut species. Uh, it was home to a large criminal underworld dominated by bounty hunters and hut crime lords. Um, so it, it's it's like a city a city planet basically. They call it an ecumenopolis. Okay. Um, similar similar to Coruscant. Wait. Uh, the entire surface of Nar, Nar Shada was covered in urban sprawl. Is this in Shadows of the Empire? I believe it's in Shadows of the Empire. It's mentioned in Jedi Fallen Order. It says. Uh, it seems like it's in a lot of different comic books. Um, and it, I, when I was looking at the Legends tab, it did have a fair amount, like a lot, actually, a lot of uh, appearances. So you can look through it yourself. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised that like this hasn't been shown really, like in uh, in in more in greater detail. It really just seems like it's been mentioned like a lot of times. Um, but it's it, I thought it was interesting just because of the fact that it was sort of like Coruscant, it's just one big city planet. Um, which I always thought was really cool. Yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, in the greater Star Wars galaxy, there's actually more instances of planets like Coruscant. Like, do you think that would make Coruscant less special? Because I remember in the High Republic, that was such a big deal. Of, like, the Outer Rim is like, what? There's a city that's a planet? Like, that was just one thing. Um, so yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder if uh, that's part of the reason the hesitation is there to bring it into the canon. Yeah, I mean, I'm one, I wonder that too. And, and when you look at the Star Wars wiki for, I don't even know if I'm saying the word right, uh, Ecumenopolis, like a city that encompasses a entire planet. Um, it says that, you know, Coruscant and Nar Shaddaa are two of them, but, you know, you also have Hosnian Prime, you know, the New Republic capital that we saw blow up in Episode 7. Mm -hmm. uh, Terrace, uh, which is in, you know, Night Sailor Republic, but I think is canonized. Uh, a place called Uchinao, uh, and also Denon. So, you know, there are multiple places. I guess it's just, you might be right, they don't want to lose the specialness of, of Coruscant by putting it on screen. Interesting stuff, though. Sure, yeah. Excellent pick. Uh, Thank you, my man. What, what'd you pick? This week I pulled Wedge Antilles. Okay, that's nice. That's a good one. Uh, Wedge Antilles. Spit some facts about him. Wedge Antilles is a human male, was a famed Corellian pilot and general, known as a hero of the Republic and New Republic. Orphaned at age 17, he joined the Rebellion after Imperial forces killed his girlfriend, Mala Tenero. A standout fighter pilot, he was one of the few to survive the Battle of Yavin, after which he founded Rogue Squadron with his best friend, Luke Skywalker. So, uh, yeah, you know, childhood friend of Luke. Grew up together, I believe. Uh, they are just best buds. Wedge Antilles made his appearance in episode four and returned for two seconds. <laughs> Excuse me, in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, he did, yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I wanted to highlight Wedge because I think on this very show, you and I have been like, who the hell likes the Wedge, right? At least I was. Yes. I mean, I always thought that he was sort of like overhyped. He had like you know two lines maybe in episode four and then just like kind of showed up like i just don't believe that like luke skywalker and wedge antilles are like such great friends like i haven't 
I haven't I haven't seen that, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a generational thing, like we've said, where the generations above us like Wedge because some of the nerds who liked Star Wars growing up didn't like the Jedi. They thought they were too cool, so they wanted something more real. And then they're like... I like the pilots. What's that one's name? Wedge? Oh, yeah, Wedge. Wedge is my guy. You know, like, I think that was it. That's exactly the hype. It's just like Boba Fett. So. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Wedge, Wedge Antilles, like, is, is a cool character. Like, he definitely uh, is, like, a great fighter pilot. And it's cool that we got to saw we got to see him in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. But just seemed, I don't know. He, he's just not as big as a character as, like, a lot of people like to make him out to be. Uh, at least in the movies. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I guess you know maybe he might have have moments of of uh, redemption in a comic or a book or something like that. But sure. um, like, I always thought he was cool. Uh, but what were you, you going to say? I was going to say I feel like people talk about him on the same level that people talk about Lando, and it's like Lando is like much closer to being a full character than Wedge is. I still think Lando isn't really a, like at least in the original trilogy doesn't feel like a fully developed character because. In my head, based off of the time we spend in those movies, it's like Han, Luke, Leia, maybe Obi, or Han, Luke, Leia, and Vader are like the only realized characters in the original trilogy to me. Like, they are really the only ones that feel like a complete person, complete character, and then everyone else is like almost there or not at all. I would. I feel like I'd have to disagree with you on that. I think Lando Calrissian, like, maybe a little bit. Like, like I think his character is much more developed than, like, you know, a Wedgie Antilles. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah, For yeah. sure. And I think, I think like, I think that he, at least this is my opinion, I think that he does have, like, a pretty decently fleshed out character when it comes to, like, Star Wars. It's just the, it's so big. Like, yeah, the yeah. story is, and they only have six hours to tell it. So, mm-hmm. I, it, with those restraints, I feel like he, he definitely, like, has a bit going on but like yeah when you compare them to like a wedge antilles they're just not on the same level like exactly see what yeah. You mean. no yeah because lando don't get me wrong i love lando and i think he's a good unique character in that trilogy i just think he's more he's as fleshed out i think as ben and yoda are of like they're there they have importance but what makes them tick isn't really the question the way it is for han luke leia and vader in that trilogy which this is true um I can't even say that about Wedge, though. Like, Wedge, no. Wedge is not even close to Lando Yoda level, but people act like he is. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's a fun character to, like, you know, point out while you're watching it. Yeah. Um, but I think he definitely, he definitely, like, doesn't... I don't want to say deserve, but, like, I, I just don't think that, like, the hype matches, like, his character, uh, for sure. Yeah, like... Though he is, like, you know... What? I, I just wanted to uh, throw in, like, for our generation, that's, like, how I love Plo Koon. Like, taking out Clone Wars, right? Like, just uh, the movies alone, it's the same thing, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I don't I don't look at people who like Wedge Antilles and be like, oh, you know, like, that's that's lame or whatever. But uh, because it's, uh, you know, he's a cool character when you, when you sort of, like, look at him you know and, and you see what he's done for the rebellion and all that kind of stuff but yeah putting him on the same level as like a luke or leia i don't know i don't know that, that seems a bit of a stretch uh fun fact about wedge antilles though i think it's you he's the actor who played it is like ewan mcgregor's like uncle or something like that yeah um, very fun fact thought that was cool yeah star wars is about family mike <laughs>
Yeah, literally. Well, why don't we get into some news? Uh, kicking off this week, Lucasfilm has hired a new digital effects, specifically senior facial capture artist hire, and it is from the community of Star Wars fans, Mike. I don't know if you heard about this. So I didn't, uh, and, and I'm happy that you're bringing this up because, you know, I, I don't think that we've ever seen something like this before, uh, at least in the 91 episodes that we've been doing Jedi Knights. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I just think it's very cool. It's, it's very cool that someone from, uh, you know, our fandom was recognized for their work. Yeah. So the person who was hired is YouTuber Shamook. Shamook, you might not recognize the name, but uh, their work you absolutely will because it was all over the internet last year specifically their video fixing which they did um the oh yeah luke skywalker mark hamill de-aged face in mando season two through using deep fake tech this was all over the internet everybody was sharing it around being like wow i can't believe this person did this on their own pc at home when you know like ilm is ilm so it blew up it went viral uh Shamuk had a handful of other ones i think you mentioned one of these one time there was like the the han solo like solo a star wars story alden ehrenreich replaced with harrison ford and it looked really good so like impressive work for this individual who's doing this for fun basically but does have experience yeah obviously i mean i think it's really i think it says something about ilm lucasfilm to like recognize that there's like room for improvement in what they're doing um you know i feel like it'd be really easy for ilm to be like oh yeah well like you know we're the best at visual effects and like you know we we did like endgame and infinity war and we do all these big blockbuster movies so like screw like the you know one youtuber with like a hundred thousand subscribers who like thinks he can do it better than us i think it's really cool that they looked at this they saw that there was like a room for improvement and they didn't shy away from that and they just like you know doubled down and was just like hey man do you want to help us get better at mm -hmm. this and you know taking them on uh to to sort of like move them you know forward in, into creating like pretty cool uh you know visual effects and everything i think that's that just shows like where they are um, in terms of like wanting to progress like artistically, which I think is cool. Yeah, so specifically the role is senior facial capture artist, like I said, which is a pretty huge like onboarding position for this, uh, <laughs> excuse me, this YouTuber. But um, yeah, their role is to oversee and supervise de-aging uh, tech processes for future de-aged or specific de-aged characters is the way the phrasing was. But Mike, I have to ask you, if they're being brought on in this capacity, you imagine this tech is going to be used more often at Lucasfilm, so who is getting de-aged next? Leia. Uh, that's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my vote. Okay, here's why. Um, we already know that Disney Lucasfilm is not afraid of creating an entire feature-length film with an actress who's dead. Um, and we already know that ILM, Disney, Lucasfilm are very much okay with, you know, recreating Leia's likeness. We saw it happen twice. We saw it happen uh, in Rogue One. And then we also saw a young Leia uh, in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so I think that, you know, if they're going to continue down the road of making TV shows that take place between, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, um, and if they're going to continue using characters like Luke, 
as we saw at the end of the Mandalorian. I think um, it's probably likely that we might see some Leia too. Um, I don't know how they're going to do that necessarily because they have Mark's Mark Hamill's voice to voice Luke, and they don't have Carrie Fisher to voice Leia. Right. But I feel like they could probably do it. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's necessarily what's going to happen. Uh, but just looking at like what they've done in the past, it seems like maybe that's what they're looking at to do next. Sure. And I think that also gets into the conversation of like when it comes to Star Wars, why is it that some of the original trilogy characters have this like this only Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, only Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark sort of approach to them where we saw other iconic characters get their prequel equivalent through a new actor, right? And I do think that that's something that Star Wars has always done really well is, at least in my eyes, seeing the prequels introduce a younger version of this character that we all know and love, like Obi-Wan, even Vader. Um, and to... I'd say a similar extent, Alden Ehrenreich with Han Solo, like both of us really love him and Donald Glover as Lando, right? Like there are really inspired choices, I think, for a lot of these characters. So I don't know. I, I think it's exciting technology, right? If it's used in a capacity like what Luke Skywalker's role in Mando season two was, but I don't know, like if we were to get a Luke Skywalker limited series, about his Jedi Academy, right? Would you prefer to see the whole six hours led by a actor who's just standing on set and acting with people and then Mark Hamill dubs it over and we deep fake his face? Or would you rather see a new actor like a Sebastian Stan entrusted with making a new chapter in the character of Luke Skywalker? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, when I said that, you know, they they might look at, you know, de-aging Leia to use Leia, or even, you know, continuing, you know, de-aging Mark Hamill to uh, create Luke as they did at the end of season two, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what I want to happen. It's mm -hmm. just that I think that that might be where they're going. Sure. Um, I personally don't really like the idea of like banking on using this technology to like create new intellectual property i think that star wars yeah like mark hamill is luke skywalker and he always will be but i don't think that necessarily means that there can't be like other iterations of the character and other interpretations of the character and um you know i feel like i would want to see like a sebastian stan for instance like try to capture luke skywalker um in like a different way that maybe mark hamill could mm -hmm. um just because i think it would look better yeah. <laughs> like plainly like honestly i think it would just like it would just be more believable mm -hmm. um it would be more realistic um and then also just like i said before i i do i am interested in just seeing you know how do other actors really talented actors and actresses like like, what are their interpretations on these characters that we know and we love? Um, because at the end of the day, like, Mark Hamill, yeah, he's, like, the original iteration of Luke Skywalker. But Luke Skywalker is much bigger than Mark Hamill. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's also, my thought on it. Also, just as one last thing, I I'll say, in terms of just, like, a viewer experience, I think you would lose something, honestly. Because 
It, it's Mark Hamill, unless I'm incorrect, isn't the one who was on set in costume acting with that group of people. Like that was a different person, and no. then his his voice and his face, uh, his facial structure was put on in post. So like, on that capacity, it works fine to do that. But for a full like series or film, um, I like one i'd feel bad for whoever is on the onset loop because it's like you're doing this performance you're putting in work and nobody's gonna see it like you're just basically there for yeah. other people to act off of especially if you're the lead that sucks and it's different for like a thanos or a hulk where they are a digital creation because like josh brolin yeah. and mark ruffalo are on set acting and giving their performance like live so i think if mark hamill was on set and then he was de-aged, like, his actual body and face in post. That I'd be fine with that, but that's not their strategy. And I don't think it would be. So, like, I don't know. I think yeah, recasting's fine, you know? like I, I know, it's just, like, it, it, it sort of brings it to the point where it's like, okay, then they can, they can recreate Mark Hamill without Mark Hamill even being there. Um, I'm sure they can recreate Leia with Carrie Fisher being dead. Like, at what point does it become just like too much? You know, like, yeah. What are they gonna do? Like, create like a six-hour uh, TV show about like Leia in the Senate, and it's gonna be like they're gonna take like old files from like The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and yeah, like, like recreate her face and stuff like that, and like Frankenstein it onto like some actress who's never gonna get the credit for it. Like, I'm I'm good. Exactly. That. Yeah. Because like, like, I, I, I totally agree with you. I just, I, I'm just gonna say like I totally agree with you. I feel like you'd be losing a lot. But what were you gonna say? The the only other thing like remember how it felt off. Watch like you could tell in the Rise of Skywalker. Like I think they did their best, but you could tell. Yeah. Totally. Like if there's another actor giving a performance for other people, unless they're fully replicating it, something will get lost in translation with the in post added layer of mark hamill right so like it will come across especially on a larger scale like that to us the audience and nobody's gonna enjoy that in the grand scheme so like just recast yeah and like just one last thing i want to say about this is just like you know there's the technology is getting really good yeah. and sometimes like it's indistinguishable um but a lot of times like there still is that like uncanny valley problem mm -hmm. and like you know, as 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 talented as like the artists at ILM are, um, it's just like really hard to convincingly recreate like a human being's face yeah. and like pass it off to another human being as as real. Uh, so like, you know, it's it, I don't think it's quite there yet. I don't know if it ever will be. To be honest, um, I'm sure it will be, but um, I don't know. Just it just it would just feel weird, and I'm okay with them re recasting. Like I said, I think it, it gives them an opportunity to sort of, like, create a new interpretation of the character, which would, could be really cool, for all we know. Absolutely. Well, in line with what we're talking about, Mike, why don't we jump down to this piece of San Diego Comic-Con news. Uh, an official poster from commissioned by Disney by artist Russell Walks through Trends International was released for Comic-Con. And I want to bring this up first because it's kind of in line with what we're talking about, about how much Luke should we expect? What's the deal with the way they will tackle him in the future? Because this official poster shows a Grogu levitating on a panel 
seemingly crafting his own lightsaber, standing next to one Luke Skywalker, holding a kyber crystal with the force and they were just they're working together it looks like they're training together grogu is crafting his lightsaber and this is in my head canon something they did a week after they met up how do you think about this poster <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's really interesting i honestly i saw this i thought it was just a fan-made poster i didn't realize that disney actually commissioned this um that's wild uh but yeah, I mean, one one thing I did notice, Luke Skywalker, as you mentioned, is holding a Kyber crystal. Uh, it's yellow, so does that mean Grogu has a yellow lightsaber? Um, that's one thing. I, that's a, that's one question that I have. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, in my head canon, this happened very very much after very recently after he took him from the Mandalorian at the end of season two. Mm -hmm. I agree, uh, but it is interesting that they're seemingly leaning in to this story about luke skywalker and grogu and maybe the training that they have to go through and it makes me wonder do you think that they're commissioning this and releasing it to sort of get people thinking about you know what happened with grogu after he was taken by luke skywalker and do you think that this is something that we might see in season three whenever that comes up sure so my brain tells me this was just for fun you know it's mm -hmm. like hey you wonder what he was doing next it was this like i think like my brain is like this is just a fun thing they saw an opportunity they're like do it people will love the art and everybody does right but mm -hmm. i do think there is something to the idea of they're doing this to get people thinking and like like grogu is not going to show up again this year i don't know how much this image spread over the past few days i definitely saw it once but i didn't see many people like many casual star wars fans i follow talking about it so yeah i can't say if it seems like it was an attempt to just keep grogu in the public zeitgeist and then just have them thinking of what could be next with him but yeah i think combined with maybe it's just a coincidence that we're getting like the mando face documentary and now we're hearing about this de-aging hire and we're seeing this poster like could be all just a bunch of coincidences but i i think there's something like you're saying to keep this in mind like maybe this is something we explore like i guess for you if we did see this explored what avenue and what medium would you want to see it explore through um, I mean, I think that it would probably make the most sense to be explored in, like, you know, Mandalorian Season 2. I'm thinking, you know, you could easily sort of, like, tell two stories, like, at the same time. Like, this is what Grogu was up to, training with Luke Skywalker. At the same time, like, this is how Man Mando is, like, dealing with the loss of his, of his kid, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one way to do it um i am just wondering i just think that it's like a really interesting question like it just seems like there's a lot to glean from the fact that you know disney commissioned this on their own um you know they're making these hires i know you said it sort of seems coincidental um but that's just like that is a bit too coincidental yeah to like that's what my head's um, telling me to think you know it's like oh it's just a coincidence it's just like embargoes and just the timing of things it all worked out so it's all happening around the same time 
Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, but yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I just feel like they wouldn't do something like this if there wasn't a reason behind it. Um, they never do. Uh, so, so like, I don't know. I, I, it, it could easily just be like, you know, this is like a fan's thought about like what happened. And that's like, that's it. There's nothing more to it. But the way that season two, two ended of the Mandalorian, I just feel like there's, there has to be some sort of resolution to that. And um, I guess the way that I would see the story being played out is sort of like parallel to mando uh sort of dealing with the loss of grogu in season three i don't know if you agree with that would you like to see it in mandalorian or would you want to see something different than that i could definitely see it as like the b plot of season three but i don't know i feel like there's enough of it there's enough questions there that it could warrant its own limited series or short film or like something right um I could see a comic, honestly. Like, I could see them take this approach in any number of ways. But I don't... Like, I'm still surprised that we didn't get an animated Han Luke Leia show. You know? Like, maybe that's still coming eventually. But I'm I'm surprised we didn't get our Clone Wars equivalent for the gap of six to seven. So maybe this is a story we explore on that capacity. Like we see luke in his temple and ben and all that and grogu like maybe that's how we do it because i do think there is a we all have a lot of questions about what luke did after six right and we have some answers but there's no cohesive like representation of what he did and to me based off the track record of star wars an animated series always made the most sense for this time period but now again with the aging and the filoni verse of live action shows like what is the right expectation to have you know i think yeah i i agree i i think you're totally right like i think just because of the fact that it seems like disney lucasfilm are sort of i don't want to say moving away from cartoons because they're definitely not um it just seems like they're putting they're seeing a success of live action when it comes to the mandalorian and also like you know the marvel shows that they've been putting out um and I'm sure that they're sort of thinking to themselves like, oh, like, you know, this is a new medium for us to tell Star Wars stories. And I wouldn't be surprised if the answer to what was Luke up to between six and seven um, is answered in, you know, the Filoni-verse. I think that's probably likely. Um, mm. I don't think that they would go through, I don't think they would go through the trouble of like bringing Luke into season two of The Mandalorian and like keeping it like a huge secret them to just like never do anything with it again you know yeah I'm, uh it got a lot of it got a lot of talk it got a lot of eyes and especially since like i said all these other shows are slated to be released um i would be surprised honestly if they didn't follow that story or start to do more live action stuff with characters that we know from the original trilogy sure and my question at that point is there's there's absolutely people who love the movies who don't watch the mandalorian right so what's the smarter play to really market the fact that luke skywalker is in season three as a recurring guest character or put those resources into making a luke skywalker focus like four episode limited series that runs concurrent with mando boba fett ahsoka rangers if rangers is still happening i forget but like you know what i mean like 
does it make more sense to use Luke Skywalker as a limited series to elevate all these other shows to a wider audience? Or does it make more sense to really market him for season three to try to get more people to get in on Mandalorian? Um, you know, I see where you're coming from. I think like it would, it definitely wouldn't be a bad idea for Disney to sort of go the route of like, oh, like we, we have this technology to make Luke Skywalker you know, young again, let's make a, let's make a limited series about him. But I don't think that that's, I, I just don't see them doing that. I just think that it would make more narrative sense to have a character like Luke Skywalker to sort of just like appear every so often, like, you know, a mysterious sort of cameo figure in like all of these different shows. Um, just because like, I think there is a level of mystery to the character that they want to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that um but you know it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't do this for other characters right like i don't know they can pay harrison ford a crap ton of money to come and like voice voice a de-aged han solo or something like that i'm sure he would for the right price you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh so i would i would personally prefer to see these characters or you know if we want to just talk about luke skywalker only you know, appear sort of just like every so often sprinkled into these other shows to sort of like build the hype for these other shows. Um, because I think that if you had a Luke Skywalker limited TV series, that would just that would just draw too much attention away from all the other stuff, I think. I think that's a good way to look at it. And also, if you, again, we compare it to what Marvel does, right? Like, if you look at the Luke Skywalker in the Nick Fury role of the Filoniverse, let's say, where there's ahsoka whatever's going on with rangers mando boba fett and we all know there's a story that they're building here there's a greater narrative that we're leading towards with all these shows eventually when we reach the conflict or the resolution or whatever of that story i think if luke pops up in these other series it would make sense to have maybe this big grand finale to this major story be a film and have luke skywalker be a major character in that film because he's appeared in all these other places like nick fury did in the marvel movies leading to avengers so like i i think that could work personally you know yeah i think i think that's more in line of like what i was thinking they would how they would use it Mm -hmm. um i just think like i said it would just be too much too 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 distracting for them to be like you know, here's six episodes only about Luke, mm-hmm. like while they're also trying to build up like the Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and like, you know, Rangers of the New Republic, if that's even happening anymore. Sure. Um, so, I mean, uh, like like I said, I mean, I, I personally, I'd like to see another another actor take the role mm-hmm. um, and start to like, you know, do these and have their own interpretations. But I'm sure that, you know, if they choose to go the de-aging route, it'll look pretty good. Yeah, and if at the end of all of this, Luke is in the capacity of what we just ran through, I think at that point, if that's it with Luke, then yeah, doing what we've done already is fine. But if he's ever going to be a main, like the main character of a full-blown thing that isn't this hypothetical movie at the end of everything, then they should recast him. But if it is that capacity of he pops up here and there in all the shows and then he is... A driving force of the finale it's fine to do the de-aging thing with mark hamill if it's if that's the extent of it in my opinion yeah i agree with you um i'm excited to see like where they choose to go with this because i think it could uh it could be really cool 
Absolutely. For sure. Well, seeing where other things are going, also at San Diego Comic-Con, the High Republic got an update. Uh, I don't know if you saw the key art for this, Mike, but they say the light of the Jedi goes dark. Is that what they say? Is that like the tagline to the marketing? Oh, I love it. (laughs) So this is the third wave of major uh, additions to the High Republic story arc of Star Wars publishing. They're saying that this new wave is going to mark the end of phase one of the High Republic, which is wild because the High Republic kicked off in January and we're almost done with phase one. Yeah, it just started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this new line, this new wave, includes four publications. The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray, being published by Del Rey. Um, Eye of the Storm by Charles Soule through Marvel. Mission to Disaster from Justina Ireland through Disney Lucasfilm Press, and Midnight Horizon from Daniel Jose Older and Disney Lucasfilm Press. So, familiar cast of, uh, you know, creators on this project. They've been with the higher public since the beginning, which I think is good. You know, you built this higher public era off of the minds of these authors and other ones we're familiar with. So to see them, you know, still leading the charge, I think is really good, especially within the first year, keeping that consistency. But yeah. uh, what sticks out to you? Um, you know, it really sticks out to me. Um, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. Uh, it says, you know, Charles Soule's Eye of the Storms being published through Marvel. Is that supposed to be a comic or is that supposed to be like an actual novel? Do you I, know? I'm not 100% sure because I know Marvel has done publishing in like full-blown novels before, but I can check Charles Soule's Twitter account real quick and see if he's had a comment about it because I know this was announced very recently. I would imagine it's probably a novel just because of, you know, uh, Light of the Jedi was was a Charles Soule joint and he wrote that, uh, you know, a prose novel. He's a very prolific comic writer, um, but he's a great uh, novelist. And... Um, you know, I'm just really excited just to see where this first phase of the High Republic starts. Um, I haven't read Rising Storm by Kevin Scott, which I think is one of the more recent additions to uh, like the, the the adult book narrative that, that's going on in the High Republic. I don't even really know what, you should call it, what to call it, but whatever was started with The Light of the Jedi. And um, I've seen a lot of, you know, people talking about like, you know, cool little twists that are happening and um, it, with the light of the Jedi going dark, um, it sort of seems like, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're trying to do, I don't know if they're going into the Empire Strikes Back of, you know, <laughs> the High Republic right now, but it, it does seem really cool that they're continuing on. Um, each of the authors that had started it are still with it, um, um, which, you know, just adds to the consistency of the story that they're trying to tell because um, we know that they've they've outlined it you know far beyond like even the first phase i believe um i I hope they did i'm pretty sure they did so it's cool to see them um still like seeing out their vision to the end um so definitely i still need to read the rising storm and into the dark so i gotta get on that i have a tweet from charles soul on uh july 23rd he said as just announced on san diego comic-con star wars the higher public panel I'm writing Eye of the Storm, which drops January 2022. It's the story of Markeon Rowe, which is interesting. Uh, just fleshing out cool. the leader of the Nile. But um, yeah, it looks like it is a comic. So That's cool. 
Um, I, I'm also subscribed to Charles Soule's newsletter, and this is why I asked the question because I think he said recently in one of his newsletters that he's like writing another book for the High Republic. Um, so yeah, that's it's cool to know that that's also still in the works um, because Light of the Jedi was pretty great. Um, and I, the storm sounds really interesting because, you know, Marky on row, I think is a character that like Charles soul had a lot to do in creating and in light of the Jedi, he had a lot to do with sort of building that character up. And so it's going to be really interesting to sort of get a better look into Marky on Rose, like background. Um, if that, if that is what I, the storm was going to be covering, uh, Marky on Rose background and, why he's doing what he's doing and sort of just like, you know, the motivations behind it all. So um, very, very interesting. Now, does it look, it looks like the fallen star by Claudia Gray is like the next adult book. Like, you know how, you know how like they've been doing that sort of. Yeah. Like I forget the way they phrased it, but yeah, you're right. I I think they phrase it as like adult reader or something like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, there is, you know, um, Light of the Jedi, The Rising Storm, I believe, is the one by Kevin Scott. Those are the two, yeah, not mainline, but those are the two, like, great additions to that storyline they set up in Light of the Jedi, right? At the beginning of The High Republic. Everything else is not ancillary, but is existing to support that through line. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. From this list, it looks like the next Del Rey book from Claudia Gray, who is no disrespect to everybody else, like one of the more respected, I think, and well known writers, at least on in our circles when it comes to Star Wars. Um Sure. Like, it seems like she would be able to carry on that torch, you know? Like I still haven't read Into the Dark fully, but based off master and apprentice she could like i would consider master and apprentice in that adult reader category that light of the jedi is this is pretty like like heavy dialogue in that story you know so i, I think she could yeah. do it i think you're probably right that's the next one in that line yeah i mean um just thinking about to master and apprentice i've also read bloodline by claudia gray and she does have i, I don't know it just i I just have a good feeling about her writing the story and you know the the, the the narrative kind of going into a darker place i feel like she's well equipped with sort of like bringing that and and sort of making that really visual and in the readers heads I, I i'm just excited to see what she has to do and i just need to keep i just need to catch up that's what i need to do that's same that's what i've been thinking about <laughs> so i think what i'll end up doing is because the reason i got uh, into the dark was because i i really like what i've read of claudia gray's work and i wanted to read that even though it's in the ya category but like i think what i'll do is probably read the kevin scott novel at some point this year read into the dark and then for the other ones that are going to be continuing stories i'll probably just check out the audio versions of them and then sure. moving forward probably just read the mainline ones and then claudia gray's stuff. and mainline isn't the right word but the ones that are progressing the story introduced in light of the jedi is what i mean yeah no i, I hear what you mean um it's just exciting that you know i think i think to just like put a bow on it i think it's exciting that a lot of these same authors are continuing with the project that Definitely. gives us a level of consistency um that i think it really needs to be great and from what i have read it's already great um 
And yeah, I'm just excited to see like where where this goes and what sort of stories they have to tell next. Definitely, I agree. Well, looking to the future, we also have some new Black series that were announced through Hasbro this week. Um, there's a lot here, Mike. I think some of the highlights are Carbonized Scout Trooper. We got also a, I think it's a Carbonized one, but the heavy John Favreau's character from The Mandalorian. And mm. what's exciting for me is lots and lots of Gendy Tarkovsky's Star Wars Clone Wars on the vintage line, which they can't fully replicate that style, right? Like, you could just show the Ala Secura figure from that line to anybody, and it would be like, oh, it's just Ala Secura. You wouldn't know it's Clone Wars Ala Secura, but um, the clones specifically, they did try to replicate it in, like, their helmets where, like, the, the helmet is like a little longer and tapered at the bottom so like it looks like that style i think they're cool uh there's none that stood out to me as pickups but you know if we get that gendi obi-wan i might, might pick that up the gendi anakin as well perhaps that's i think it's really interesting that they're sort of bringing that back don't you uh, yeah that makes me feel so much joy love that style I mean, I just just thinking like, why why do you think that they're doing that? Just because like it's hard to it's hard to differentiate like, mm -hmm. oh this this is a character specifically from that version, right? Yeah, I, I honestly I think the reason they are probably giving it its spotlight is because we're in a downtime right now, and they know that this specific take on Star Wars has a really rabid following, right? So, like, people who love this take on the clone wars and grew up with it to my knowledge i've never met somebody who grew up with this and doesn't love it or is obsessed with one aspect of it right like everybody i've talked to who knows of this is like oh yeah like this is what made me love grievous he's super cool in this he's like a um, like a monster like uh people who like yeah. dirge i think that bounty hunter that got brought into canon like people love dirge because of this so like I think they just know. They just know it has its fans, and they want to give it the respect it deserves because it was forgotten for a long time. So, no, I, I think it's really cool, um, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's 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 cool too because it looks like it's part of the fiftieth anniversary of Lucasfilm. So maybe that that's part of it. Maybe they're just kind of throwing back to things that were in the past, mm -hmm. and they want to give uh, give credence to those. Yeah, I do like the boxes too because it has the 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 Star Wars Clone Wars logo and the animated version of that character as their portrait. So it's nice. It looks cool. The respect in the art. But um, yeah, it, it's cool to see this. I'm not reading into this. I would love if we got another take on Star Wars through the <laughs> studio, but I, I doubt we ever will. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool that it's getting more yeah. attention. I was going to say, uh, you know, don't speak too soon because next week we're we we are gonna hear we're gonna hear about Gendy Tartakovsky is being hired by Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that would be sick though. Yeah. So hey, you know, Visions is looking to be bonkers. I never would have expected them to do that. So maybe I'll never say never, but it's unlikely in my eyes. So <laughs> never say never. Yeah. Speaking of unlikely, we got some rumors in the force to bring up this week. Specifically, one. Uh, via LRM, which is a YouTube channel I think has been brought up on the show recently. Um, they're saying through 
an unverified source. They're just saying like, hey, I've heard. Uh, Ahsoka, the series, has cast its Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn in Mena Masoud, who played Aladdin in the live-action Disney Aladdin with Will Smith, and Lars Mikkelsen. So that's our Ezra and Thrawn potentially. Again, grain of salt. I am not familiar with this channel or their history of breaking news, but Mike, on initial reading of this, how do you feel about this casting? So um, I wasn't very familiar with the uh, actor who is rumored to play Ezra, uh, Mena Masood. You, you, you brought up um, at the beginning of this and also before we recorded that he played uh, Aladdin. Um, and yeah, I guess, that, that, you know, we were talking about this uh, pre-recording. Um, <laughs> Ezra does have, have kind of Aladdin vibes. So that uh, does seem, seems like it fits. Um, I'm looking at photos of him, and yeah, I think it could work. Uh, when we talk about Lars Mikkelsen, though, I think that is a really, really good casting. Um, and I don't think it's that surprising that we're getting information about, like, or potential information about who is playing these characters, because it's basically been confirmed that at some point, Grand Admiral, Admiral Thrawn is going to show up in the Ahsoka show, just based off of season two, episode five of the Mandalorian, where Ahsoka brings that up, uh, by him, by him up by name. And, you know, realizing that Ezra went missing with Thrawn at the end of rebels, you, you sort of connect the dots and think that Ezra Bridger may be showing up in that show as well. So like I said, uh, Mena Masood, I'm not familiar with his work, but you know, I, I do see Ezra as an Aladdin type figure. Um, if that means anything, uh, but Lars Mikkelsen, I think, is a really interesting choice for an actor, but I think it could work really good. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was Like you said, we talked a bit before the show. The first time I watched the first episode of Rebels, I saw Ezra and I was like, oh, like very truly the Aladdin comparison is there because he was essentially a street rat stealing to eat and <laughs> running through markets, you know? So like there is a comparison there. I think that's just more coincidental. Like, I could see a world where maybe this is not fully true. And, like, maybe because it's like, oh, Disney had a live action version of Aladdin. Ezra is introduced sort of in a similar character role, uh, similar features. Like, I think they could probably be like, oh, doesn't this make so much sense? Of course they'd bring him back because they've worked with him before. So, like, I'm not going to fully believe this, but like you said, I am expecting both these characters to be in the Ahsoka show for some level of a role, but yeah, inter interesting choices if these really are uh, the truth, right? Because I think you're right, they do make enough sense and you can see them fall into that role. Definitely. Um, yeah, so, so I guess uh, my next question was going to be like, do you think that both of these characters have to be in season one of Ahsoka? I, I, to me, like, you know, when she, when Ahsoka and the Mandalorian was like, where is Grand Admiral, Admiral Thrawn, right? I was thinking maybe like that show that's going to take place, you know, that's, that's going to center around her. I don't know. Like I was thinking maybe it would take her like a season or two to sort of like find Ezra or Thrawn, but mm -hmm. you know, Hey, could, could, could be pretty quick into it. So who knows?
I imagine it would be a finale thing. Like season one finale is the reveal of like we we found him. That's the that's the end. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's that's true. So you have to have that sort of lockdown uh, for the first season. Then, um, you know, it also makes me think about uh, who is that actor who um, was was like teasing people on Twitter about being cast as Ezra Bridger, Ron like Coley. he kind of wanted to. Yes. Uh, you know, I guess not all is lost for for Rahul Kohli, but it's not looking pretty if these rumors are to believe to be believed. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, I imagine we'll learn more about Ahsoka in the first half of next year. I don't expect to see anything about it this year, but uh, you know, when casting hits, we'll talk about it. But oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see how right we were. Yeah. Until then, Mike, uh, we do have a new episode of The Bad Batch to discuss. I believe this is episode 12 or 13. I think it's 13, okay. but I don't know. Uh, Infested, a new episode sees The Bad Batch uh, assisting a... Battle the Flood. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it, I was just thinking that like five minutes ago. I was like, wow, yeah, this is like a the Halo episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sid is in distress. We got a new new management of the bad batch relationship with the underworld so overall putting aside the halo comparison for this moment what did you think of this episode um you know i thought it was i thought it was lackluster i kind of got bored halfway through it to be honest like it was another one of those job of the week type episodes which is fine and i've actually come to really enjoy it over the past maybe like nine episodes of the bad batch but (laughs) for whatever reason this one this one kind of like i just it didn't ever really catch me um i don't know if it was a problem with like the pacing or something like that um but yeah it just seemed boring um and like many of the episodes in the bad batch uh entirely inconsequential um so (laughs) yeah take that take that as you will um I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting plot. It was an interesting, you know, idea for an episode, but they kind of started and ended at the same place. Um, sure. As it has been for many of these episodes. So I'll say when it comes to the job of the week episodes, this is one of the ones I've liked more. Like specifically the job. And it is because I was like, oh, it's Halo. <laughs> it's the flood. And it's also kind of like a heist. We all know that Christian likes his heist stuff. I do, I do. But yeah, it, it's basically it's alien, right? It's like, hey, we're on this planet. There's this uh, infest, this infestation of some creature. There's horror elements. Like the tropes the episode plays with, I think was the most fun I had with the episode. But you know, I like seeing Star Wars adapt to other genre stuff that I'm already a fan of. So seeing them tackle sci-fi horror to a degree. And, um, of course, the heist vibes, like, it was a fun time, but, again, I think this is the last week we can have an episode like this. You know, there are three more episodes. Three episode arcs are what make the Clone Wars the Clone Wars, and I know this was, this is a different show very clearly, but going into it, it was like, hey, it's basically season eight, um... Yeah, I would say the first, the premiere of the Bad Batch, and maybe episode two, are kind of like a three-episode arc, 
if you split them up because it's like all episode one and two combined are like 90 minutes and it's kind of telling one story um definitely yeah i i think that you could have split those into you know three episodes and have a complete arc there and i hope that that's reflected in the final three episodes of the show but again specifically with this one i think you know the actual job was fun seeing tech do his thing was cool uh seeing everybody work together to try and figure out the scenario fine uh omega once again being sort of the heart and conscience of hunter through the relationship with the new guy i forget his name um it was all solid you know nothing was bad it was like yep. okay this is kind of what i've I come to expect from these characters but we do have some potential teases in this episode mike when it comes to the underworld because we see i think the pikes again right yep i've seen some people speculating oh go ahead sorry oh no i was just saying that we've we've heard about the pikes before and yeah that we do see them again they have cool voices (laughs) yeah i've seen some people speculating that because of that and because of this show specifically i'd say a good half of the episodes is a focus of them operating in the underworld through sid like maybe is potentially leading towards a season two conflict where they come into an agreement or confrontation with darth maul because at this point he's building the crimson dawn in the background you know so like it is that something that would excite you if you know i think it's hard to deny that the bad batch so far is mostly about the underworld so like exploring that in a second season yes no what do you think i think that's probably i think you hit the nail on the head i think that's probably where they're going um if if that you know it could even be the last arc of this season sure yeah Uh, we just don't know yet um because yeah like like you mentioned and like i said before the past like nine episodes of this this tv show have been like job of the week like we're working for sid we're doing some you know questionable things right um and yeah i think that with all the other stuff that we know from solo uh the stuff that we saw at the end of the clone wars season seven on mandalore where uh maul was like talking with all the crime bosses mm-hmm. um it would make sense for you know them to cross paths with crimson dawn or something like that right or you know kira shows up like yeah. in one of their job of the weeks right and that's the link between you know you know him uh, the bad batch and maul so i think that's most likely i think that's probably where it's gonna go um but i think that that sort of is it makes me question like why are we doing that because like to me i thought the main story was like this conflict between crosshair and the bad batch and like what the kaminoans are trying to do with like omega and stuff like that and i know that it would be hard to talk about that all the time but just seems like they brought it up and they just like forgot about it Um, and to sort of bring in more stuff with like crime and everything it just seems like it to me it may feel like it's muddying the waters a little bit but yeah um i would i almost expect that that's where they're going though uh talking about like the underworld and like crime and connecting it with maul 
just because they have left so many other breadcrumbs uh, in previous, uh, you know, releases, movies, t- TV, that, you know, it wouldn't make sense for them to sort of just like completely not talk about that at all. Especially when, you know, the Bad Badger doing stuff in the underworld all the time. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it makes sense. I think, you know, Darth Maul hops in a ship and flies off like he's Megatron on an episode of Transformers, you know, on a Saturday. It's like, oh, I'll get you next time. And then he just flies away uh, at the end of season yeah. seven. So, like, Maul, it's so wild because, like, Maul in Phantom Menace is iconic, but the reason Maul as a character is relevant, like, Maul, I think, is more of an animated show character. And you cannot, like, nobody will, would argue against this, but he is an animated series staple at this point in Star Wars, where I think it would absolutely make sense. It's like, oh, a new show? Maul's the villain. Like, it makes yeah. sense. And th- this is a yeah. point in his life that we haven't really fleshed out yet because that was kind of teed up in Solo, and we don't know how that turned out. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think making Season 2 of The Bad Batch more focused on this, and then... At least at that point, we'd have more of a through line of the crime stories. And then in the background, you could have the Kaminoan plot where if it doesn't get resolved this season with Crosshair and Omega and the Prime Minister, like that could be an undercurrent of season two in a more what feels like strong capacity than trying to find the identity of the show, which is what season one has kind of been you know and i think that's kind of where in hindsight we'll probably all like the show more because on a rewatch we'll know what to expect we'll know what the show is we'll know right the extent of what new star wars content we're getting and genuinely i think the bad batch through like a binge viewing knowing where we'll be going with season two hopefully after a finale will just make it stronger hopefully yeah i think i think you bring up a good point i think uh i I think maybe i'm a little bit too critical about this show in the sense that like i'm watching it and i'm like what is happening where are we going like Mm -hmm. what happened what about all this other stuff that you brought up before that's not being answered and I think you could bring up a good point in the sense that, like, you know, once that this sh- once this show is finished and we can look at it, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, um, we might have different opinions on it. Um, if you just look at the Clone Wars, right? Think about the Clone Wars. If like season two of the Clone Wars was being released right now in the same manner, we'd be like, "What the heck is happening?" Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So, and then you know, now when we look at the Clone Wars, we're like, "That's a great piece of." tv yeah that's a great piece of tv and it it tells a really great star wars story as disjointed as it is you know this is where it was leading to and we know this that and the other thing we just don't know about that about the bad batch yet so i think what you're saying does have a lot of uh is very important Mm -hmm. um i just like i don't know to me i feel like and I, i don't know if like i'm just being too critical but like i feel like when you bring up something as integral to the story as like what the bad batch did in the first three episodes and then you just never talk about it again to me that's just a little annoying uh and like i i would be a little annoyed if they just like never talked about it again in in season one and then just like brought it up again in season two i'd be like what the heck 
Um, yeah, but... I, mean, I don't think you're being too critical. I think that's a fair thing to think about the show, right? Because if memory serves, you and many other people felt a similar way with Mando season one, right? Where it's like, yeah. hey, you introduced this plot of the Empire remnants and Grogu, and then basically the whole show goes by and you don't touch on it again until the final two episodes right so like i think that's a fair criticism to have the show and the reason why it might feel a bit more elevated is because we went into the show thinking it was season eight of clone wars which at the first episode it felt like it was and since then it's shifted more towards i guess season one of the mandalorian where it's like hey we're just checking the pulse of the galaxy we're figuring out what the show is and hopefully by the end of the season one we have an answer to one of the questions brought up in the early episodes which again similar to mandalorian i imagine will mimic that but yeah i'm glad you brought up clone wars season one and two specifically because like i remember when i was watching season one of clone wars as it was airing i was like kind of getting tired of it by the end i was like this is just kind of whatever doesn't feel like it's important but i remember the marketing for season two being like the bounty hunters are here there's this new character named cat bane and it's a serious show now the the font is red so like <laughs> i could see bad batch even mimic that of like we get season one it's like hey this is what the show is this is what you should expect out of this series and season two has a more defined overall story because now we've set up the characters the world and season two has a defined villain a defined conflict that we work towards every week and then in the background there's the more mystical aspect of star wars being uncovered if season if the end of season one right if the next three episodes can sort of like bring back elements of what they set up in like the first three episodes of the bad batch and like maybe even set up something even larger for season two, like a Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. I would be fine with that, right? That, that would that would signal to me as the as the viewer that we're moving somewhere with the stuff that we brought up before, right? Um, and to me right now, it just seems like that that's not they're not interested in really doing that, um, and, or or they just haven't had the time to like touch upon those things. So if they're able to sort of like weave those two things. And it doesn't even have to be Maul. It could be something else. I don't know. Honestly, do uh, Kira. I'd like it to be Maul. But yeah, Kira, whatever. Uh, if they can sort of like meld those th two things together and sort of like show the viewer like, hey, this is where we're going in a season two. Uh, like it's going to be a little bit more con like, you know, like constructed in its in its format. Like that would be fine with me because then I'd know that there's something like else going on, something like, to look forward to going forward but as of right now it just seems like like you said you know how you felt watching season one it was like okay like this stuff doesn't seem like like it's cool but like why are we watching this right yeah and i i do think that there's something to many season ones and even like first movies and series of like it has the the onus of doing a lot of setup and I think season one of Bad Batch, if hopefully it ends up where we're discussing we want it to go for a season two setup, like, if that comes to fruition, I think season one will look at more fondly because it's like, okay, we spent all this time learning the characters. I think we can all define who each member of the Batch and I'd say even like Omega and Sid are morally 
and what their purpose is in this series. And that's what season one is about. And I think season one, them being on the run, makes it feel more disjointed because it's like, what are we doing now? Like moment to moment, what is this group doing to stay alive? Where if we end up in a spot that it seems like we're building towards of them just being this mercenary group, then season two, you introduce a villain, you do have something you feel like you're building towards rather than the build of season one being, we just got to stay alive. So I think all those things combined, again, hindsight for the Bad Batch season one, we'll look at it more fondly, but I think maybe there's an unfair amount of pressure on the next three episodes and a potential season two, which I don't even know if that's confirmed, but yeah, it's a... Interesting, interesting stuff with the Bad Batch right now. Yeah, I mean, there is a heavy burden on a, on a first season for anything, and I agree with you. Um, and I guess we're never going to really know where this fits in until the show is finished or close to being finished. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not at that point yet. I'm curious, just in... I don't know if you have any additional thoughts, but just like, what, what are you expecting out of the next three episodes? Um, like for me at least like if the next episode is released and it doesn't hint towards like setting something up i'm gonna be a little disappointed that's just me though yeah i think for sure what we need is season one to end off with like at the very least it has to answer some things from season one episode one I don't need full-blown answers, but just, like, maybe a bit more detail into what the plan for Omega was. Like, this enhanced clone army. Like, something of substantial, like, content on that front. Anything to sort of put a pin in that. It doesn't have to be a complete thing. Just be like, oh, this was the plan. Fell through. Not the problem anymore. That's fine. Um, At the very least... I am hoping the next three episodes give us that and give us some sort of development with Crosshair. I don't need Crosshair to be fully won over. I don't need him to be killed. I just need to see some sort of tease of like where he's at right now, how he's changed since episode one and two and three. At the most, yeah, I could see them set up season two. I don't know if I need them to right now. But I'm hoping the end of the sh- season one is m- at least giving me that, and then I'll feel content. I think that's a fair expectation. I think it may be asking for a little bit too much for them to set up, like, you know, season two and, like, us having a pretty clear idea about where the direction is that they're going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think it is fair to ask, or to be expecting at least, some of those questions from that opening arc, if you will, um, to be answered. And yeah, I think, I think if that doesn't happen at the very least, that's, that's cause for not concern. Just like, I would just be disappointed. I think so. I agree. I, I think it's fair to hope for a setup, right? Like, even if it is just some wild image and then cut to credits. And then at the end of the credits, like the bad bachelor return season two. Cool. You know, but yeah, just something. 
Dar- <laughs> if I get if, if if it ends up if it ends up with like with Hunter with like I don't know like Hunter being like you know what I am a nice guy now and then like <laughs> the freaking series ends I'd be like okay that was lame <laughs> I uh, but I'm I'm sure we'll get something good. What if the final shot of season two is somebody like Sid? Okay, let's say Sid is having a conversation in an office and hunters there and then the bad batch are like you know what we're gonna officially make this thing official we're gonna work together or this new guy whoever right some agreement is made the batch leaves and then we hang on this character either sid or the new guy in an office they close the blinds they get a hologram call let's start them all sitting in a chair he takes his hood off being like we're gonna work on the crimson dawn <laughs> and he and he uh yeah he ignites his lightsaber for no reason yes <laughs> Cut to credits. Uh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, that'd be sick. Yeah. I, I I think like you know if you know just talking about it, like I, I'm just I, I hope that they, this is their chance, right? This is their they have three episodes left. This is their chance to do something. Yeah. Right. Do something. Uh, I don't know what it's gonna be, but you know, do something different than what you've been doing for the past like twelve episodes, please. Yeah. Um, that's that's sort of like what my thought process is on it. So yeah, I I think before the finale, I would like to rewatch the first episode just as a refresher because I feel like it's been so long since I consumed like thought about what they actually bring up there, just to see what the resolution's yeah. like. But yeah, I'm with you. I I'm hoping hopeful for the finale. Hopeful for the next couple episodes. If next week is a filler episode, and f- maybe filler's not fair, but another job of the week like. I don't know, dude. Like, I I think you need more than two episodes to wrap up some of these yeah. things. Agreed. I, I I you know well I guess we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have three episodes left. If the next one is not anything special, then we might be having a different com- type of conversation next week. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Well, until then, Mike. Where can everybody find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Mike P. Connors. Very nice. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Chun2D2, as well as here, youtube.com slash joyclicks for the video version of Jedi Knights in the playlist for Jedi Knights, alongside all the other shows on Joyclicks like The Long Play Club. Uh, we just recently wrapped up Metal Gear Solid Five, Phantom Pain, so we're done with Metal Gear Solid at the moment. Wow. Took crazy several months, but we have a ranking. We have them all beaten. Uh, we are deliberating the next game, uh, so look forward to that in the, in the future, but you can check that out, uh, as well as Excelsior, our Marvel show, and Gamescast, our games podcast, all of these available on youtube.com slash joyclicks. If you like the audio version of Jedi Knights, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your service of choice. Rating and reviewing, if you can, would be very helpful because it takes a second, and we appreciate you for doing it. It helps the show reach more people and makes us happy. Indeed. And if you makes us very very happy yes makes us quite quite happy um and if you want to support us even further patreon.com slash joyclicks at the one and five dollar tiers uh five dollar tier will give you producer credit for this show and every show we do like Aaron easton and charles applin so thank you very much and that is jedi knights episode 91 look forward <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> to next week with another episode of the bad batch hopefully I, it feels bad a little bit mike because i feel like every time we talk bad batch there's always the same looming cloud over the conversation so i just hope it's gone next week i hope it's gone too um i don't you know christian i don't like being negative um and, and i don't think that we're being too too negative but you know, I want something. I want something to be really excited about. So hopefully, hopefully that comes our way. Yeah, and even if it's just like really strong character moments, that's great. You know, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But until then, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? May the force be with you. Oh yes, yes, yes. You're right. Beep is up. <laughs>